0: Welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an instant recap and reaction episode from Thursday night's game versus the Timberwolves. If you are new to the Motor City Hoops podcast, I'm your host, Bryce Simon, a former D1 Hooper, current teacher, coach, husband, father of three amazing kids, and contributor to Detroit Bad Boys of SB Nation. And when I get the chance to watch our Pistons live, I'll do a short episode giving my immediate reactions, recap, and analysis of the game. Segments will include my biggest takeaways, player of the game, plays of the game, and things to keep an eye on moving forward and more. Before we get started with this one, I want to encourage you to listen to episode 87 of the podcast that I recorded with Mark Schindler talking about his article on Cade Cunningham for basketballnews.com, other members of the young core, and some NBA draft prospects. I also just dropped my newest breakdown for Detroit Bad Boys where I dove into Killian Hayes exclusively on the defensive end of the court and the value he brings. And we have some very cool and exciting news for Motor City Hoops that we'll be able to tell you about in the next week or so. Make sure you are following Motor City Hoops on Twitter, at Motor City Hoops, and catch all the upcoming episodes so you don't miss out on that. But we're recording this immediately after the Pistons' 117-128 loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves. No Kate Cunningham in this game on Thursday night, but the Pistons were very competitive. First off, I want to just get on my soapbox. I pay a pretty good amount to NBA league pass to watch these Pistons games. And for those of you who don't know, I live in Southwest Kansas all the way in the corner over by Oklahoma and Colorado. And this game was blacked out along with, I get blacked out for Denver Nuggets games, Oklahoma city thunder games and San Antonio Spurs game. When the Pistons played those teams, like, they're just very frustrating to me, and I even tweeted this out. I don't even feel bad that I watched it illegally tonight on some site. Like, luckily, I was able to so I could do this instant recap, but I'll jump off my soapbox now. Cade, Bay, Stew, all in the Rising Stars competition. I think that new format, which I haven't completely looked into, but they have something new with that, does sound like that'll be exciting. Those three guys all in on that. And then the Eastern Conference Reserves were named Jimmy Butler, who I found out my wife has a huge crush on, so... No going to Miami Heat games whenever they play the Pistons. Darius Garland, James Harden, Zach Levine, Middleton Tatum, and Fred Van Vliet get his first nod. The fourth undrafted free agent to make an all-star game, but not to be outdone by our guy, Ben Wallace, who did it four times, half of all of the possible all-star appearances for undrafted free agents. That's via Sam Quinn on Twitter. The Pistons did not practice on Wednesday. Playing, They played Tuesday, obviously playing Thursday night, and have a back-to-back with the game against the Celtics on Friday. I did think that was interesting they didn't practice on Wednesday, but I think they have a road trip upcoming as well. So maybe Coach Casey and the organization felt like they deserved a day off. Again, no Cade Cunningham or Josh Jackson. Kojo, Magruder, Bay, Grant, Stew in the starting lineup. I tweeted this. It's not that surprising that Magruder's in the starting lineup. Casey, as well as some other NBA team, tends to do this, like almost go to the 11th guy to put in the starting lineup so they can keep their second unit intact. We'll talk more about that later. The Timberwolves go with Beverly, Edwards, McDaniels, Vanderbilt, and Cap. First quarter, some really, really bad early turnovers. From the Pistons, just not start off this game very well. Two by Grant, one by Bay, and then one, I believe, is by Kojo. The camera wasn't there whenever the live play was going on. They were showing a replay. A lot of three-point attempts also in the first quarter from the Pistons. Ten of their first 13 shots were three pointers. Magruder did make one, Bay with two, Grant with one. And then a lineup of Kojo, Frank Jackson, Bay Lyles, Olinick really make a nice run to close out the first quarter. And I'll talk about the intermixing of those first and second units a little bit later. Sadiq Bay in the first quarter, 11.7 rebounds, four assists. Three threes and a tip back to get those 11 points. Just a really, really nice first quarter from Sadiq Bay, Hami and Hayes didn't get any first quarter minutes. They were at the table, but there was no whistles. So they didn't get their first action actually until the start of the second quarter, which saw the Pistons up 32-31. But some turnovers. They didn't give up a ton of offensive rebounds in this game, but some timely ones like always. And then some very poor transition defense gives up the lead early to start the second. The Wolves go zone here. Thought this was a huge moment in the game for the Pistons to keep it Close and weather any momentum. Frank Jackson was fouled, got to the free throw line, and then missed the second, which Isaiah Stewart actually tipped back. And Isaiah Stewart had a really nice game tonight with 10 points and 13 rebounds, 5-9 and from the field. Hayes missed a jumper the next possession. Stu got another tip in, and then they beat him in transition. Grant gets a three in transition. Hami beats him in transition, gets to the free throw line. Really thought that was a nice sequence there from the Pistons when the Timberwolves went zone. First half from Jeremy Grant was really, really good. He didn't take too many shots, like overly aggressive, especially after the bad turnovers early. And I thought he was absolutely incredible on the defensive end. I'm going to go into that a little bit more in detail here a little bit later. This one at the end of the second quarter, really just as a coach, these are the things I really... Frustrate me, I guess. Pistons shoot with seven seconds on the shot clock. And don't get me wrong, it was a good shot. I believe it was a wide open corner three for Jeremy Grant. But I wish they would have waited. Like there was only one and a half, two seconds separation between the shot clock and the game clock. The Pistons had gone on a nice little run. And then they shoot with seven seconds. They actually missed. And then it gives time for Torian Prince to hit a three at the buzzer. And it only ends up being a two-point lead going into half instead of a five-point lead. Pistons shoot 51, 36, 75 splits in the first half. Got to the free throw line 12 times. Like I said, it was timely offensive rebounds they gave up, but they only gave up four. And then Bay, Grant, and Jackson combined for 38 first-half points. Again, two-point lead, 67, 65 going into the third. A little bit slow start for both teams offensively. Bay got to going to work in the mid-range here in the third quarter. I believe he got fouled, puts the Pistons up two. Grant strikes again in transition when the Timberwolves try to go zone. It was about six minutes to go in the third quarter. Again, the Pistons up two. He, He got out in transition, hit a three. Very next possession, Frank Jackson hit a corner three, and they got the Wolves out of the zone. I bring those up because this is something that Coach Casey and the Pistons have struggled with in the past, and I thought those were huge for them to weather the storm, not let the Wolves go on a run because of the zone. Now, the Wolves still were able to go on a run here in the third. The same group that had that great stretch in the first doesn't replicate it in the third, and they lose the lead. A huge stretch, I thought, was with under a minute to go in that third quarter. It was 91-99 after a Timberwolves three. Frank Jackson hits a really nice three to make it 94-99. They get a trap on Cat and force a turnover, and it looks like they're going to really be able to stop all momentum, maybe go get a bucket, only be down two or three going into the fourth. But Kelly Olenek's driving, dribbling the ball up the floor. Nobody called out Wolf or, you know, no pun intended, or maybe he didn't hear it, but they end up stealing it from him in transition and the Timberwolves actually finish the quarter on a 4-0 run of their own and take a nine-point lead into the fourth. Just a rough night for KO in general. It got worse, and to start the fourth, he clanks a three and gives up a post-up bucket to start the quarter. I have a breakdown coming on KO at Detroit Bad Boys and, and kind of a positive one, like some of the really nice things he brings to the table for this team and some things that maybe go unnoticed, but tonight was just not one of those nights. The Timberwolves hit their fifth three in about five minutes if you go back to the third quarter to take a 15-point lead, and essentially what I thought was was going to put this game away. I thought it might get uglier from there on, but the Pistons actually cut the lead to five behind a Frank Jackson four-point play, which I actually missed because my video skipped over back to NBA League Pass and my beef with that. But, and one from Ant immediately answers that, but the Pistons come back again. Frank Jackson with another three cuts it to five, and the Pistons actually had the ball Baseline out of bounds, they run the same baseline out of bounds we've seen multiple times, and he gets him open. It got Jeremy Grant open, but Cat was able to block it, and that was kind of it for the Pistons. Three-point shooting, 15-46 from the Pistons, 15-34 from the Timberwolves. I think it was actually worse at one point in the Timberwolves' favor. Kind of the story of the game, the Timberwolves also had 11 steals. The Pistons do shoot 44, 33, 79 shooting splits and 28 free throw attempts. My biggest takeaways, I have four for you guys tonight. We still didn't get a chance to see Cade and Grant on the floor together in a close fourth quarter game. Didn't look like it was going to be close there for a while, but again, it would have been nice. Going back to Tuesday night, Cade didn't play in that fourth quarter. He'd already been injured at that point, and so we didn't get a chance to see those guys and how that would work itself out. I know that was some of the Jeremy Grant- questions earlier in the season was those late game situations the ball was ending up in his hands and we still again tonight didn't get a chance to see how that would play out between those two guys and so i'm really interested to see if k plays on friday night i don't know that he will but it will be interesting the first time if we see it you know if jeremy grant ends up getting traded or not but if we see those guys in a fourth quarter together speaking of jeremy grant the questions aren't just about the isolations with him and we didn't see them as much. Okay, I don't think Jeremy Grant is a great passer. Now, I will say tonight, he did show to be a much more willing passer tonight. But if you watch a lot of the passes, they're not always on target. We didn't see a lot of the isolations. We didn't see a lot of the mid-range. So what I want to say is, If this is the Jeremy Grant that we can get, if this is who he's willing to be for whatever reason, because I don't personally think this was the Jeremy Grant we saw pre-injury. Some people may disagree, but I don't think this was who he was. Not in this specific game tonight. He only took 16 shots, and Cade wasn't even on the floor, so he could have taken way more. He passed a lot. Even though we only had one assist, he had multiple other opportunities. There weren't a lot of straight isolations. There weren't a lot of like face up, take a whole bunch of time and then try to attack and end up getting blocked or turning it over. Early on, he had a couple bad ones. But if this is truly who he is, maybe he watched this team play while he was out and said, wow, like Cage really good. Sadiq Bay's really good maybe i can fall into this sep- this different role than what i was expecting or maybe he just wasn't able to sometimes you're able to step back and see things a little clear but if he's able to do that then absolutely i have no problem with the pistons not trading him at the deadline like i don't think they're forced their hand is forced to make that move i've said that i would probably trade him i've also said i thought he wouldn't play another game in a pistons uniform obviously i was wrong on that I would trade him, but if tonight is who he is and who he's willing to be going forward, then I'm not as adamant about that. I'm fine if Jeremy Grant stays, if he's willing to take this role. And I just wonder if that's truly what he's able to do. But the other part is the contract. And what I'm interested to know is, is he really asking for four years, 120 million? Is it four years and a hundred million? But what he showed tonight in terms of being a willing passer, the shot selection, and then what he did defensively. And I think that's huge what he did defensively tonight. He was very engaged. He looked very good, had some of that weak side rim protection. Like, you might be able to sell me a little bit more on four for 100 million. I was talking to Wes Davenport before this with the way the salary cap's going, like, four for 100 million, 25 million a year. For your number three guy, because you got to remember, we're adding in another pick or something like that, regardless of what happens with Jeremy Grant. Like, I think you still have to go get a number two. But I asked Wes, I said, is a number three, is 40 for 100 million really that bad of a, a contract? And it really might not be, okay, with the way the salary cap's going. So, again, I don't know if this is truly what he's willing to be, if it's what he's going to be. But if he is, then I'm a lot more okay with Jeremy Grant staying around which leads into Sadiq Bey. He got his looks tonight. I thought he got his looks on Tuesday night. One, he needs to keep wearing the headband because I think that obviously is the difference. But this isn't a Jeremy Grant problem with Sadiq Bey. I think a lot of people want to say like, oh, he's taking shots from him. They can't play together. Now, if you want to talk about the positions, we can have that conversation because I have talked about thinking that Sadiq Bey is better at the four. It probably provides some better matchup. But if you're just talking about the pecking order, Sadiq Bey is always going to have to play behind probably two, if not three guys when this team is good. Like when this team is really good, Sadiq Bey is not going to be the number two option. And I don't really think he's probably going to be the number three option. But even if they trade Jeremy Grant, even if they trade Jeremy Grant for picks, they're going to draft a guy who most likely, unless it's Chet Holmgren, that is most likely going to be the number two option on this team next year that's going to take the role that Jeremy Grant has been playing. So Sadiq Bey is going to have to be able to be successful in this role as the number three, number four option. And, you know, there's been talked about, I wrote an article about scalability. That's the whole point of what we've seen him be successful at is he can do it whether he gets 20 shots or whether he gets 10 shots. It's just kind of about how the defense plays him and what they decide to take away and what they decide to give up. So I don't think... Sadiq Bey, and he obviously didn't struggle tonight, even though he wasn't super efficient, he got plenty of shots, but I don't want to blame any Sadiq Bey struggles on Jeremy Grant, especially if Jeremy Grant's playing the way he did tonight. Two real quick things defensively. I really would love that this team stops giving up long rebounds because guys leak out. Listen, I've done this too many breakdowns for probably what people want to see. I understand that around the rim, because of their size, they're gonna give up rebounds at time, but stop giving up the long ones because the guards are leaking out. And then the other thing, Kojo and Killian Hayes are really good at boxing out. I'm gonna do a little, I'm tweet out a couple tomorrow of, of Kojo making some big plays on defensive rebound situations. Killian Hayes is willing to be physical. Hal brought that up, but those guys do box out. Giving up transition buckets after makes is really a pet peeve of mine. This happened again tonight. I believe it was the Kings who did this a lot. After misses and turnovers is one thing. I don't love it, but you're going to do that at times. But I don't understand how there can be cross matches and not getting matched up, not knowing who their man is in some of these transition buckets after makes that they're giving up. I just would like to see that cleaned up as well. Players of the game, three guys. Sadiq Bey, 21 points, 8 of twenty-one, three of 11 from 3, 13 rebounds and eight assists. Great night from Sadiq Bey. And, you know, the rebounding is a huge thing for me. We've seen him do it kind of sparing or not. I don't want to say sparingly, but it hasn't always been quite as consistent as what it was earlier in the year. Like his previous three games, four games, four, one, five, two rebounds. You know, in the last 10 or 12, he's had a few with just one rebound. Early in the year, he's really doing it. It was nice to see him get back on the board tonight. Also, the eight assists. Frank Jackson, 25 points. 8 of 14 from the field, 5 11 from three, 3 and 3. Got to the free throw line five times. One was that four-point play. Just a great night from Frank Jackson off the bench, getting buckets, kind of that instant offense. And then Jeremy Grant, 20 points, 7 of 16 from the field, 3 of 8 from three, five rebounds, one assist. Again, he could have had more assists. I did think he was more of a willing passer than what those numbers show. Some quick plays of the game. Hami misses the three off the side of the backboard. Now, why is that the play of the game? Because he continued to play. Like, yes, Hami has to be able to make wide open threes from the corner. I get it. I want him to as much as anybody, but I love that he continues to play. I thought it was funny that he like looked at his hand and wiped him on his shorts like that was the problem, but he continued to play, runs up behind the the Timberwolves, dribbling the ball down the floor, steals and draws a foul, and he actually leads the NBA in steals since December 18th. Killian Hayes, not going to be a lot of Killian Hayes love. On this episode, I didn't think he necessarily had a game to really write home about, but the little self-pass, if that's what you want to call it, if you want to give him credit for it, in the lane that ended up with the bucket, I think he's a kid that just needs to go all in on his swagger. I think he wants to have swagger and confidence and show it, and I really think he should. We are going to talk a little bit about that with him with things to keep an eye on. And then the last thing, Frank Jackson, the four-point play. Again, I missed it because my stream buffered or tried to catch up or something, but a big bucket there in the fourth quarter to cut the game to five. Just two things to keep an eye on tonight, guy. The first and the second units. And how does Casey blend those two units? Okay, It seems like it's very well established. Whenever healthy, who's going to be in the first unit? Who's going to be in the second unit? Uh, and I'm cool with it. I like both units as they stand alone right now. I realize that might change at the deadline. But I think it's going to be interesting how he blends those. So tonight we saw that where the three came in and stayed on with Kojo and Sadiq Bay. And then they started Hayes, and he let him play the entire second unit. Magruder subbed out a little bit earlier, and then that allowed Killian Hayes to stay in the whole time. And then in the third quarter, it worked a little different. He made those three guys sub in, but then he brought Hayes and Hami with the rest of the second unit much quicker. So it'd just be interesting to see how he blends those, what kind of combinations of five guys we get between the first unit and the second unit. Now the counter to that, you know, as I'm kind of giving Casey credit for doing a little bit of that tonight, Keith Black Trudeau brought up a great point is we needed to match Carl Anthony Towns minutes with Isaiah Stewart. And Dwayne Casey did not do that in the third quarter. Cat ended up playing the entire third quarter and really kind of took advantage of Kelly Olenek and Trey Lyles. One last thing, Killian Hayes' visual frustrations. And And I'm not judging him. I'm not saying it's a huge thing. I just think it's been noticeable as of late. I could be wrong. but And I hate trying to judge body language, especially from my phone. I think when you're there in person, you can see some of these things and these interactions a little bit better. All I'm saying is just it seems like we've seen a little bit more outward emotion in terms of with his teammates, with the refs. I think there was even something with Dwayne Casey tonight. Now, I'd be a hypocrite because I just talked about how I want him to show more swagger and confidence. And so maybe that's the give and take of that as a coach, I get that a lot. I'm very emotional. I'm very passionate and people love it whenever things are going well, but when things aren't going well, I'm still very emotional and passionate and that can't always be in a necessarily positive way. And so I'd be a hypocrite to say that like, I hate it. I just think it's something to keep an eye on something that's interested me that we've seen it a little bit more. Some thoughts on the other team cat name to as an all-star reserved Edwards and McDaniels for the Timberwolves are in the Rising Stars competition that we talked about earlier. Edwards and Beasley are straight bucket getters for this Minnesota Timberwolves team. Edward had 25 tonight. Uh, Beasley had 18 points in 19 minutes. And then Torian Prince had himself a game as well with 23 points, 5 of 6 and 3. They do take some very questionable shots for my liking, but I do... The, the, the roster is interesting for the Timberwolves. It's just a little bit interesting with the, the talent they have. I'm interested to see how it all comes together for them as I look up where they currently sit in the standings in the Western Conference. They're seven, right? So they're 26 and 25, couple games away from the Denver Nuggets, so they're right in that playoff mix with the Clippers, the Lakers, the Trailblazers, so this is an interesting team. Um, Again, you know, you could see tonight the way they could score and the the talent they have, so just be interesting to see how they continue throughout the year. A quick look ahead, Friday night, if you're listening to this Thursday night or tonight, if you're listening to it Friday morning, play the Boston Celtics. Obviously, this will be the second of a back-to-back. How does Cade look in this game if he plays um, obviously that's probably the biggest thing as you look ahead is you know is a hit pointer doesn't seem like it's very serious but does he play in this game on Friday night the Boston Celtics are 28 and 25 after a win over the Hornets on Wednesday. They went 10 and 6 in the month of January and won five out of six. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, obviously the headliners for the Boston Celtics. Brown is a guy I would love to see the Pistons make a run at. I'll be honest, guys, I I, I understand they probably don't have the assets to make that happen, and I'm not even sure the Celtics are going to split those guys anyway. It's just a guy that's very intriguing to me. I think he would be a really, really good fit for this team if you were going to move Jeremy Grant plus assets. I just don't think they have the assets to make it work. Um, and so I don't think that's realistic, but it's kind of maybe my uh, shoot for the stars one that I would love to see possibly happen. Marcus Smart, another guy that's kind of been named in some of these trade um, talks Maybe not necessarily with the Pistons, but what is interesting is he's a name that's been brought up to me at times as a comp for Killian Hayes. And so that, that Boston Celtics team right now in the Eastern Conference is setting ninth right there again in that play-in situation as the Eastern Conference is super, super tight. And so be interesting to see what they look like on Friday night. And then one last thing not to do with the game, but we are officially one week away from the trade deadline or less than one week away. If you're listening Friday morning, we will have a great lineup of guests coming on the motor city hoops podcast. Alex Kennedy will be on Tuesday to take a look at the, before the trade deadline action, what we may see for the Pistons and around the NBA. Alex Kennedy is from basketballnews.com. I'll have an instant recap episode on the 10th so that's the Pistons play on the 10th plus the deadline will be over. If anything happens before that, if the Pistons make a move on the 9th or the 8th, expect an instant recap. Then, But right now, I'll just plan on the moves happening on the 10th, and then we can recap the deadline moves for the Pistons and that game all in one. And then James Edwards third from The Athletic will drop a special Sunday episode with him on the 13th to break it all down again with his reactions, his thoughts, and a couple days to kind of digest what has happened. And then Wednesday the 16th, we'll have Keith Smith for an overall NBA breakdown of everything that happened. A quick point before I let you guys go, and I won't get into it fully. We'll get into it more on those episodes. Yes, you don't have to trade for some of these guys that will be restricted free agents, and I think this is like a conversation that comes up a lot. Like Colin Sexton was the the conversation tonight. I'm not saying the Pistons are going after Colin Sexton, but some people's argument was, well, he's a restricted free agent. Just sign him, Miles Bridges. Just sign him. Well, the thing is, you may not get a chance to sign them. The only way you may have a chance of acquiring these guys is via the trade. So I'm not saying I'm completely like you have to. I'm not saying I'm a for or against it one way or the other. All I'm saying is you don't necessarily have to eliminate the possibility of trading for a guy just because he's a restricted free agent and you could go for them in free agency. That makes it a lot tougher in those situations. Plus, you do get the bird rights in that trade situation, which does eventually become important as you start to sign guys to big contracts. We talk about, you know, Jeremy Grant, if he stays around. If he makes it past the deadline, it doesn't mean you couldn't trade him in the offseason or next deadline. But if he's gonna stay in Detroit, that's a five-year, hundred-plus million dollar contract. Cade's obviously kind of, you know, on track to be a a max guy, most likely, if he stays on the trajectory he's on or the trajectory I think he's on. So Bird Rights being able to sign guys over the cap with your own, like that stuff does become important eventually. So I realize I understand the logic behind it with they're going to be a restricted free agent, just wait till then. But I also don't think that that's like foolproof. I do think there's some positive and reasonable rationales for trading for a guy, even if he's going to be a restricted free agent. As always, I want to thank my guy Wes Davenport, the producer of the Motor City podcast, who takes care of so many things behind the scenes to make the podcast better for you and easier for me. I also want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast. You have no idea how much it means to us, the amount of support we're getting right now. Motor City Hoops will be back on Tuesday, as I mentioned, with Alex Kennedy, the Chief Content Officer at BasketballNews.com, to break down all the news ahead of the NBA trade deadline. And make sure you continue to check Motor City Hoops' Twitter and those episodes for this big news that will be dropping very soon. Thank you for listening. Go Pistons. And we'll talk to you soon. Three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey. Chelsea-